Amen. We are in this Seek series. We are also celebrating six years as a church, and that's our story as a church, as we, we came together as a people uh, of this community to, to launch this church, uh, to be people in pursuit of God and what he would have for this community. We Literally, the name vertical uh, for us, it's, it's to live a life where we're loving others toward God. W- what are we doing? We're loving them in a way that they, that they find a way to seek God and pursue God with all their hearts and all their lives, right? And so for six years, we've been on this seek pursuit of, of living vertically. And I know many of you, uh, your whole life has been that. And we all came together in the birth and the launch of this, in this pursuit of seeking God. And so it was actually last week uh, was our exact to the day anniversary uh, it was six years to the day last week, and we had to move our anniversary back. We canceled service because the ice. And we get a lot of questions uh, about cancellations and how it works and why we do it and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'll just kind of give you an explanation on that. Uh, here's where we are uh, as a church. We don't mind snow. Snow can fall, and, and you can plow snow, and you can clear a road with snow and put salt down and that kind of thing. But last week, you know, when it's ice, you know, it's ice and blowing cold and, and uh, stuff like that happens. I realized it ended up being pretty, pretty nice by 9 a.m. The sun was out. Um, but here's the deal. We, uh, snow is one thing. We'll plow it. We'll push it. We'll get it out of the way. Ice becomes a whole other deal. And here's another reason why it really matters. Uh, this church has a lot of setup and teardown. We got teams that come in before the sun rises and, and before streets are plowed. And it's still dark out when people come in to get things put together. We got a lot of young families that attend this church. And so we're always considering, okay, you know, all of these things taken into consideration. What's our decision? So a day like today, there's a whole bunch of snow and a whole bunch of crazies like you still want to come out in it. That's awesome. We love it. And we're glad to have you today. Uh, but when it comes to ice, like last week, uh, that's just a whole nother ball game. So we made the decision to cancel. Now I'll say this, our desire is to always have church. I mean, we have series and graphics and videos and and sermon notes and all of these things go into like a weekly order. And so when we have to cancel, it really throws off and messes up a lot of things. Another unfortunate thing that happens is when you cancel church, uh, unfortunately, uh, giving goes way down. Uh, People tend to not make up their giving. So if church gets canceled, it's not like the the next week or the next couple weeks they come back and and remember to bring that. You, You experience a big loss there, if you understand what I'm saying. And so none of those reasons, though, are the reasons that we make a decision. It's not money. It's not graphics. It's not video sermons. It's none of that. We're going to make a safety decision every single time. Are you with me? And so that's just where we are on that. And, uh, and, and I also know this as a pastor. Some were thankful we canceled. Some were upset that we canceled. Uh, I'm a pastor, and I realize I'm never going to make everyone happy. And, uh, and right? John's like, that's tr- that, he, good. <laughs> no. Um, and so, and so anyway, that, that's our heart on that. But it is funny that today we're celebrating anniversary because I have a picture from our first year and it happened to be, I think either our third Sunday, uh, or the third Sunday of January. I don't exactly remember, but here's what our parking lot looked like on the third service of our church. Look at all that snow. Look at that stop sign all the way up. You guys remember 2014. And so this is a parking lot picture. You can see from my car that pile of snow actually happened to be like in the middle of the parking lot because the plow people were like, surely no one is dumb enough to come to church in this much snow. So we'll just put a pile in the middle. And we still had snow, and it, or we still had church, and it was still amazing, and God still moved. Amen. And, uh, and it was awesome. And so I actually say kudos to all of you for being here today. And uh, I, I, I prayed this scripture earlier. That said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I believe that about you right now, coming out right here and and seeking God and being here. 
you literally just qualified yourself for a blessing that I believe you're going to receive uh, by your pursuit. Amen. I actually have a sermon on faithfulness. That's what we're going to preach on right now. So I'm so happy to see a full room. Didn't look like that in first service. So you second service people, you guys are the righteous holy ones. Amen. Six years, I couldn't talk about these six years without giving some thank yous, which tied me up emotionally for quite a while in the first service. So I'm going to try to do a little bit better. But I start with my number one, which is a thank you to my wife. Because there would be no this without her. Everybody say, oh, that sounds sweet. That's a good thing to say. No, you don't get it. There is no this without her. Are you with me? Everybody thinks pastor's wife is like, oh, that must be so nice. You, you get to come to church and see people and sit on the front row and listen to your pastor preach. No, it's not cute. It's bloody. <laughs> Being a pastor's wife is, is hard work. It's more than coming to church and sitting on the front row. She has to deal with me. And it's not fun to deal with me because I have to deal with y'all. <laughs> but he, but, he, but here, here's, here's why I want to say it for just a minute. And I'm not going to turn this anniversary thing into anything about us. But the scripture does say to give honor where honor is due, right? And it's so much more than just coming to church and, and, and coming to dinners with me while we meet new people. It would be easy if it was just that. But it's hard work. It's a big sacrifice because as a pastor, to do my job well, I have to love deeply and give all of myself. I wouldn't do it well if I stayed guarded. If I had walls up and didn't let people in and I wasn't vulnerable and I, and I wasn't you know, truthful, uh, then I wouldn't be doing this well. Are you with me? But by giving my heart wholly at all times, it causes me to be emotionally taxed which means this, it means I feel pressures, I feel burdens, which means when Easter rolls around and it's the Super Bowl of church, it means that I start to get crabby and I feel the pressure. So I walk around the house kicking the dog and being, my wife's like, what's wrong with you? Oh yeah, Easter's coming up, you're feeling the pressure. And the holiday season and the legacy offering and, and all the different pressures that a pastor feels. I don't know the statistics for sure, but think about this, in your life, Think about a best friend or maybe a brother or sister or a mom or dad or somebody in your life that you're close to, a coworker, and you hear of a trauma that they're going through. Maybe they're going through a divorce. Maybe financially they've hit rock bottom. Maybe there's a sickness in their kid or something like that. But you'll experience one of those or two of those every couple years, and it will affect you for months. So you hear about it and you say, oh, I'm sick to my stomach. I can't believe they're going through. I just can't stop thinking about it. I'm losing sleep. And, and you'll have a couple of those every couple of years. We're subscribed to in the ministry those kinds of things daily. As we love deeply and connect with people, there's marriages we're always praying to be restored and miracles and the finances and heal. And so I'm just, again, this isn't like a whole oh, we're turning this anniversary into me. But what I'm saying is, do you know what my wife deals with? I take the phone calls and I don't just say, oh, well, that's terrible. I'll be praying for you. No, I say, oh, that's terrible. I'm praying for you. God's got you. And then I put the phone down and I tell Jess what's going on. And we cry and we pray. And then I push back fear. Is it going to work for them? We told them God is going to do all of these real things. Are you with me? She feels the sleepless nights, the tossing, the turning, the prayer. She feels it. Are you with me? Yeah. And so, I'm, again, I'm just, I'm, I'm here to say, 
we all say, oh, pastor's wife, that must be cute. No, it's, I thank her. She commits herself to counseling appointments with our counselors where we're getting deep work and we're getting, we're getting the, the bad roots taken out so that we can be stronger for this. Are you with me? And so thank you and honor to where honor is due. Will you show her some love? <laughs> secondly, thank you. Secondly, in the same veins to the staff, the staff equally subscribes to trauma and to, to extra and to burden bearing. It's the same thing. I'll go to the staff. Hey, we have this going on or this just happened and we have to go over here. And so my staff will drop plans. They'll push their kids aside in a good way. <laughs> but they'll say, hey, to the kids, you know, we got to go this and we got to go up there. And we say, I can't do that right now because I'm going to say yes to this. And same thing, the staff is involved in all of these big things and they love it. We do it without resentment. They do it with a servant's heart. They do it because they love you. Are you with me? Because the church is built on faithfulness, not glamourness. Is that a word? It's going to be a word today. <clears throat> so our staff, and they give of their time, and their spouses uh, come home from work, and, and, and they take the phone calls at night and rearrange things. Are you with me? So the staff is absolutely unbelievable. And, and imagine this. I said it in first service. We have three part-time people and two full-time people, and we oversee a weekly crowd of about 400. If everyone came at the same time, our last Easter number was about 600. It's irresponsible for three part-time and two full-time people to oversee the ongoings <laughs> of over, are, are you understanding? The, the amount of pressure and things and plates to spin that the staff has to do is absolutely unbelievable. But we say thank you to them because they're so faithful. Amen. Thank you. And their spouses, give it up to them. And then even more so crazy, the people that make the six years such a success are you, the volunteers. Those of you that volunteer, I, I'll never get over it. And if I ever get over it, <laughs> I should just be out of this. But it's ridiculous to me on a day like today, when we all are starting to get here at 7 a.m. And, and I start looking out the window and I see people taking a duffel bag, marching out into the snow and pounding stakes into the ground so they can put up flags in the snow, in the freezing, on their day off. What's wrong with you, volunteer people? I'll tell you what's wrong with you. You're faithful. You're consistent. You're not quitters. You're, you're in it for the right reason. Are you with me? So you volunteers that make this up, it's amazing. I, again, I, I think about it all the time. You guys use your days off, and you get your kids out of bed, and you put them together so that you can come here and serve and love somebody you don't even know. Most of you don't get the emails and the recognitions that I'll get on a Sunday morning that says, or on a Monday morning, it says, oh, and kidsmen, this person, my kids, I hear that, but you, the volunteer, don't necessarily hear it every week. And you come and you serve faithfully and you give and you volunteers are amazing. I notice the ways that you take the time to encourage one another as we have events. You have an event and you'll come back and say, thank you so much for that thing. It helped us this way. And so your kind words, I say thank you to. It keeps us uh, as staff motivated the way that you say thank you and you speak life. I notice even on vacations when, when our team takes a vacation or a staff member's away, I notice how you go on and you say, hey, hope you have a great time. You deserve this time. Enjoy your family because you recognize sacrifice. You recognize the times that we have to say to our kids, hey, but not right now. I've got to take this call. This person, daddy's got to go for a minute. We've got to go. I have a, when we had plans, are you with me? 
So I recognize the way that you speak life back into us uh, as we get our breaks. I, I recognize the ways that all throughout the week you, you call me or you text me or you email me uh, a verse that came up as you were praying for us and you, and, you, and you send it to us or a sermon you hear and you send it to me or, or you're worshiping a song and you send it to me. All the ways that you're constantly holding up our arms, we appreciate that. So on this six-year anniversary, I guess what I'm trying to say to all of you to every level, whichever level you are, is just thank you for your faithfulness. Thankful, I'm thankful for the way that you, you self-sacrifice and the way that you put others first and the way that you put God first because really that's what's built this church. Are you with me? It's faithfulness. It's not, it's not that we're glamorous. It's not that we're smarter than anybody else. It's just that we, meaning all of us, are a group of people who have decided to just be faithful. Amen. We're not glamorous. We're faith-filled. It's faithfulness that built this church. But it takes hard work. It takes faithfulness. Uh, I, I've noticed this phrase spinning around a lot of churches and conferences. Uh, they say this. They say, the best is yet to come. And it's going to cheer you up. Oh, just remember, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. But I heard an old preacher say once about that statement. He said, yeah, the best, the best is yet to come. He said, but the worst is along the way. And we celebrate on anniversary. We say, look at the best is yet to come and look at all that he's done. But along the way, it took a lot of plowing. It took a lot of bloody knuckles. It took a lot of tears in the night, didn't it? Because yes, the best is yet to come. And so many people quit when the best doesn't immediately come. They want the glamorous. They want the flashy. They want the quick faithfulness is like extinct in our communities and in our cultures. We want a new cell phone every two years, right? We need a new kitchen, so we need a new house every two years. Are you with me? Some of the realtors are like, calm down on that. It's fine. I can help them with that. Put your hands down, you guys. They said about app developers, if your app ever makes it to a level of success, only plan on having a successful business model for about two or two and a half years. Because we're always moving, we're always changing. It's like faithfulness is forgotten, right? But I believe the kingdom of God is built by faithfulness. Not the smartest, fastest, most glamorous, it's who's the most faithful. So faithfulness is huge. I, I, I would say this, I hope it's said about my life, man, I hope they're not like, wow, you know, he was creative or he knew how to talk or, or man, they just always, uh, they did things so sharp. I, I hope it said that, man, they were just faithful. They were just always there. The church was always dependable. Are you with me? So we're going to talk about faithfulness here for just a minute. Do you know that the book of Ephesians chapter three, it mentions over 20 different seasons. So there's 20 different seasons, a time to plant, time to harvest. There's all these different times, time for peace, a time for war. There's time for all this. But it doesn't say that there's a time to go neutral. Oh, there's a time to just put it in, in coast mode. Oh, there's a time to just whatever the wind may. It doesn't say that there's ever a time for that. We know that we're called from what? Faith to faith, glory to glory. You're called to be continually advancing in your faith and faithfulness. Are you with me? There's no quit. There's no quit in the kingdom. It's always advancement. It's always progression. And that's the story of this church is its faithfulness. I know it's the story of you. I'm going to take a look at one person in scripture. And then we have some fun wins that we're going to share here at the end of the sermon. 
But the book of Acts chapter 1, verses 20 through 26, uh, it's a story that most people don't really talk about, and you might not even heard much about it, but it's actually the story of how the disciples chose a 13th disciple after Judas hung himself. And so it doesn't get a lot of talk, but there's this process and this qualification uh, that they go through that I think really applies to our heart. And so as they're looking all throughout the different people that they could choose to be this 13th apostle, which apostle is one of the highest forms of ministry. Of course, you can be walking in uh, in Jesus call. And so what they said, how are we going to choose this person? Who are we going to pick? What are we going to do? And one of their prayers was, Lord, you know the hearts of men. Notice that their prayer wasn't, oh, God. You know the ability of men. Oh, Lord, you know the talent. You know the education. You know the, the background. You know the wisdom. No, no, no. It's like, hey, you, God, you know the hearts of men. We and women, you can put men and women. God, you know their hearts. Help us make a decision based on heart matter. Are you with me? Yeah. So it came down to two different people, and then there's this one guy, Matthias. Some people say Matthias. Same thing, but he's mentioned by Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, and he's only mentioned one time. And so as they're observing, okay, what are the qualifications we want? God, we know you know the hearts. We want the heart to be right. But what are the physical qualifications? What are the things we need to see him in operation in? And they said, we want him to be a person who's been with Jesus, both when who pursues Jesus, who's been with Jesus, who, who's connected to Jesus, both when Jesus is in and when Jesus is out. So describing, a, as we're in this Seek series, describing a person who pursues God, who pursues him faithfully when Jesus is near and when Jesus feels far. When he feels like Jesus is making it all come together and it feels like Jesus is nowhere to be found. Are you with me? It's easy for us to say, oh, I'm here and I'm in for Jesus when the worship band is playing and when the sermon is going and it's inspiring you and you're at the conference and when, it, when it's all working, it's easy to be in for Jesus then. But what about when it feels like Jesus is out? Do you retreat? Do you isolate? Do you back down? Do you, do you turn faithfulness off because it feels like Jesus has stepped out? How many of you know what I'm talking about? So we need a guy whose heart is right. We need a guy who, whether Jesus is in or out or around, we need that person to be a faithful person. They said, we need somebody who, when Jesus was here and there, traveling or whatever, somebody who was faithful and consistent to the pursuit of Jesus had to be faithful. Notice they didn't say, we need a good preacher. We need a good singer. We need a good person who's got all the leadership books memorized. We need somebody who can do miracles, who has a full bank account, who went to the right school, had the right upbringing. None of that matters. What matters in the kingdom is, are you pursuing God, whether he's in or out? And are you faithful? Are you with me? Faithfulness and availability is what mattered in their decision-making process. The scholars say about Matthias or Matthias, however you want to say it, most of his role and most of what he did as he traveled along with them, even before G uh, Judas left the group, even beforehand, much of what this guy did, would he would be the one who was building the campfires, basically setting the gathering places. He prepared their travel so he would figure out weather and roads and and, uh, and, and so when I'm all upset that I got to make a decision about canceling snow or not, I'm just like, why is this the pastor's job? I don't know. Cancel. I mean, literally flip a coin. I'm like, Doug, you 
run down the road in your shorts, just shorts. <laughs> Tell me how bad it is. That's our meter. If he's like, it wasn't that bad, then we have service. So, so I'm just like, oh, my gosh, i got to make a decision about weather. I don't care about weather. I'm a licensed, ordained minister of the gospel. I'm not a weatherman. <laughs> but then I was like, oh, man, this guy actually, he made decisions about travel and weather. I guess this is just a high call of the Lord we have. But he prepared travel and took, and, you know, boats had to be arranged and weather. And are we going by boat or are we going by whatever? All this different stuff. And, uh, and so he was very practical. Another thing he did was crowd control. He wasn't the miracle prayer. He wasn't the preacher. He wasn't all these other things. He was somebody who took care of the faithful needed. Are you with me? The practical things that needed hand to the plow, the arrangement of. And then they're saying, look, at, he, he's our choice. His heart is good. His faithfulness is in there. He deserves reward. Adding to the disciples wasn't by talent, scripture, knowledge, ability to prophesy, or by how much wisdom they had acquired through their years of church life. It was, are you faithful? Is your heart right? Are you with me? God always rewards faithfulness. We always say this. He who is too big to do little things is too little to ever do big things. If your decision maker is, oh, I'm just skipping over all the little things. I'm waiting for God to bring me a big thing. He's never going to bring you a big thing. This church isn't built on us waiting for the big thing. This church got built, and the success that this church has is because we say yes to the little things. Are there kids, hope kids that need to be mentored? Yes, we're going to do it. Are there kids that need to be fed through hand-to-hand outreach? Yes, we're going to do it. Are you with me? We're not waiting for the big thing. We say yes to all the little things, and God will open the door for the big things. That's why the scripture even says, even if you give a cup of cold water to one of the least of these, I will have a reward for you in heaven. Faithfulness, not glamorous, not always glamorous. Faithfulness, consistency. Are you with me? They said somebody who was with them is what we want. Somebody who's with them to be with Jesus as he went in and out. I believe we have way too many greenhouse Christians. They're only Christians when it's the perfectly controlled environment. Oh, we love God when it's worship and it's the conference and we're in our small group and we have all our things and, and everything is perfectly bloomed and nurtured and natured and we live right in all our perfect godly environments. But when the real world sets in, we compromise our standards we throw out our fruits of the Spirit. Are you with me? We don't act anything like what God's called us to when we get outside the greenhouse environment. But God's called us to faithfulness. Our desire on Sunday morning at 1045 ought to be our same desire on Monday at 1045. Are you with me? It's a culture. It's a pursuit of faithfulness. And that's, I believe, what God rewards and how God builds. Amen. We have way too much hit, skip, and miss Christianity. What do you think? Maybe we should. Maybe we shouldn't. Oh, you know, church. I think it's a huge mistake if on a Saturday night your household has a conversation that goes something like this. So what do you think? Are are we going to church tomorrow or not? You should have predetermined and decided on your calendar the Sundays that you're not going to be at church and the rest are all a must. Man, that's such good preaching, Pastor. (laughs) I know. I brought my best for anniversary. Hit, skip, miss, maybe we'll decide. That's, that's irresponsible in my opinion. 
seek first. It ought to be something you decide way before Saturday night. I'm saying it, but you guys are hating it, so that's fine. (laughs) Matthias, you could say about his life, he had more availability on planning center than he did blockouts. (laughs) Yeah, you want me to leave there, Scott? Okay. (laughs) I'm supposed to be appreciating you all, but I feel like it just turned to something else. Faithfulness is what it's going to take. It's going to just take faithfulness for, for God to reward and to build up and to grow. Amen. Scripture says they needed somebody. Here's what it matters. What they needed about Matthias, Matthias, what they needed about him was his ability to be able to say, I was there. Whether God was in, whether Jesus was in or whether he was out, was coming, going, traveling, whatever he was doing, he needed the ability to say, yeah, I was there. I saw the Lazarus thing. I saw this miracle. I saw that I was there. And the reason that it matters that we have the ability to say I was there is because the world's going to argue the validity of Scripture all day long. But we don't believe this about the Bible, and that one article says this isn't true in the Bible. But what are they going to say when you say, yeah, but my neighbor's marriage got restored, and their finances got turned around, and my kid got healed? And I used to have so much anxiety and depression until I got around the presence of God consistently. Are you with me? I was there when they got healed. I was there when they got restored. I was there through faithfulness it allowed. Are you with me? We need some I there's. That's why Psalm 37, 25, I love it how it says this. Psalm 37, 25 says this. I was young and now I'm old. And some of us at It happened just like that. That's what it feels like. One day you went to bed young. The next day you woke up and realized, I'm old. I feel really old. And I'm speaking for myself here. But he says, I was young and now I'm old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or the children begging for bread. What he's saying is, I've been there. I've been around it. I've seen. And what I see every time is God's great faithfulness. What I see every time is that God will never leave you or forsake you. I was there, and therefore I can speak of it. Are you with me? I'm going to jump back because I missed a quote I wanted to share. Here's what I would say. I love this thought. A man with an experience is greater than a man with an argument. Or a man with an experience is greater than a man with an opinion. We got way too many people with opinions. We need to see some people of action. Well, what I would do, well, back in my day, what I would do, let's get some experience. Let's get your, let's get your hands on the plow. Let's get you in the game. We're not looking for commentators. We're looking for contributors. Contributors. Amen. So I was young and now I'm old. People who were there. Scripture says this in Revelation chapter 21, verse 14. It says that the wall of the city, there's a wall in the city of heaven that has 12 foundations, Okay. And so up in heaven, there's this wall. It's got 12 foundations. And on that is the name of the disciples, the apostle. It's on there. So you got Peter who's on there who preached these sermons. And it's amazing. You got Paul who wrote us all these books and endured all this suffering. But do you know who else is on there? Matthias is on there. He made the wall. Why did he make the wall? Because he was a man who was faithful. 
He was faithful when people didn't see it. He was faithful when people did see it. He was faithful when he didn't feel like it and faithful when he did feel like it. He was faithful when his passion was high for it, and he was faithful when he was ticked off at it. Are you with me? But he stayed faithful. And in heaven, there's reward. There's an account of a life that has lived faithful. Amen. I'll close with this. Galatians 6, 9. You all know it, but it should just be your theme. It's printed on the cover of my Bible. It says this. Let us not become weary because it's possible to become weary. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we what? Don't give up. The harvest will come if you remain faithful. If you break it off and you break it up and you try something else and you go a different way and you just try to stick with what's easy, you're going to miss your harvest. Are you with me? I don't like how it's going. I'm going to isolate. I'm going to back down and I'm going to not participate and I'm going to, and you lose your harvest. I've been trying this for three, four years, 10 years, 20 years. I've been trying this and I just can't get a breakthrough. Well, how many times did you just keep stopping and isolating and backing down and making excuses? Amen. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time. Who decides the proper time? Not me, not you. God decides. And so many times we break our faithfulness because we wanted God to do it here and he didn't. We wanted God to do it here. And we try to decide the proper time and it doesn't happen in our proper time. So then we break our faithfulness and we lose our reward. Faithfulness is how the kingdom of God is built. It's not by ease. It's not by glamour. It's not by, the scripture promises that the gates of hell will not, Christ will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. But the gates of hell are going to come against it. What does it take? It takes a stand. It takes faithfulness. Are you with me? It takes a dependency on God and the Holy Spirit in prayer and worship and fasting. And are you with me? Faithfulness is how we build the church. Not by glamour, not by strategy, not by face, faith, Facebook, not all those things that build a church. It's easy for us to go online. Man, look at that church they're doing. Look at that. Wow, that looks nice. Wow, that looks nice. But you don't see the blood and bone and guts and sweat and tears and pain that goes into it. We're all in the same requirement, which is faithfulness. So Jesus was like, hey, to do this thing successfully, I need you to put on your best outfit because it's going to be like the red carpet. No, hey, to do this thing right, you get to take up your own cross of suffering. Right? Happy anniversary. (laughs) So let's celebrate some things, some ways that you were there, some ways that you were faithful this year in 2019 and the sixth year of our church. You guys have done awesome. And all I'm doing is encouraging you to what you already are. You know, I I, I love this church and your faithfulness. That's how we are what we are is through your faithfulness. As a matter of fact, next year or next week, uh, we have a gift for all of you that have volunteered and served. And uh, we want to give you that next week. So make sure you come out, pick up your free gift. Uh, but, But really, faithfulness is the story and the backbone of this church. And I do thank you for it. You hear me get passionate about it. The reason I'm passionate about it is because it's who we are. It's what makes us up. It's like when you hang out with your family and you're like, our family, we do this. And you're all excited about it. That's what I do when I get to talk about faithfulness and serving. And it's who we are, amen? It's what we do.
But here's the result. Here's by just like uh, Matthias, he was, he was there. And because you were there, here's the result of some of your faithfulness over this sixth year of our church in 2019, our youth ministry through serving and your prayers and your generosity. Do you know that our youth ministry, sixth through 12th grade, do you know that it doubled this year? It doubled its attendance this year. Maddie and the team was able to add live worship. Yeah, go ahead, give it up for that. They were able to add live worship because of your generosity through Legacy, they, the second floor sanctuary. They're able to have a time of worship. And of course, they still have their time of fellowship and fun and connection and all that. But just tremendous growth in our student ministries. They also packed over 40 Operation Christmas Child boxes and were able to send those out worldwide, which is huge. Uh, again, through your legacy offering last year, our children's ministry was able to double their rooms. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, like, oh, double the rooms, but you got to think increased staff and new procedures and arranging all those and more volunteers stepping up and making it work. And through that, we saw an increase in our kids' ministry uh, of about 10%. And so being added to through our children's ministry and just all the different ways they get connected to. And it's a huge deal uh, for them to have proper space and, and all that stuff. You did an amazing job. And so our children's ministry showed great growth. Uh, our prayer ministry was amazing last year. Uh, between Saturday morning prayer and then when we gathered during our prayer and fasting on Saturdays, there was 18 Saturday mornings that people were here praying. Let me say that again, on a Saturday morning. Like on your day off, on a Saturday morning, you got up and came to church and prayed 18 times last year for corporate Saturday prayers. We do another thing called four, uh, called pop-up prayers. It's where the prayer team specifically comes here and they have categories and things that they're believing to pray through and they set a timer and they systematically, strategically just hammer through all these strategic kinds of, of prayer and things they're praying for. They did four of those last year where they're just intercessory praying for you and the community and events. They did four of those. And so between those things and our sat or Sunday morning prayer, because we have prayer both services and pre-service prayer, last year in this building alone, this doesn't even count people praying at home, last year just in this building alone, there was 231 hours of prayer that went out of this building through our prayer team. Give it up to our prayer team, those that are involved. Every single month out of the prayer room, we give away Bibles and salvation books. And so as people come in and they need the word, we have that for free. And their salvation book to help them with their next steps comes out of the prayer room. It really is incredible. Worship and production. Check this out. This is really fun to look at. So the tech team and all the things that go out, the lights, the sound, all the stuff that makes our worship experience. Between Sundays, practice, night of worship, women's conference, women's study, uh, the pop-up prayer nights, and youth, 233 hours of worship went out from this church, out of this building. Now, here's what's awesome. Remember, we believe that worship is a weapon. We believe that those aren't just songs that are being sang. It's not just lyrics just falling out. Those are declarations made into the atmosphere of our community. So just out of this building, 233 hours of worship. I've shared this with you before, but through our one-for-one -one jar alone, uh, if this was just our mission budget, this would have been a, a, a tremendous accomplishment for our size church. But just through the one-for-one -one jar alone, uh, $8,100 went out to different local missions and causes simply by you checking in or dropping money in the jars that went out. That's unbelievable. 
through our hand-to-hand ministry, our outreach ministry, uh, we set a record. Uh, it was the most amount of families we ever fed. It was a, an average of 171 families per week throughout the school year. Now listen, that's faithfulness. Somebody got left their house at night, got in their car, came to the old part of the hospital, put green beans in a bag and prayed over them. But it ministered to 171 families on a weekly basis. I believe it's anointed, it's equipped, it's making a difference in the atmosphere, amen. That's the faithfulness I'm talking about. Not super glamorous, but faithful, amen. Kids Hope, our Kids Hope ministry, again, almost doubled its number. Uh, We have about a little over 40 kids that we mentor in the public schools uh, through our mentorship program. That's one hour weekly, excuse me, through the entire school year. But here's one of the stats I love about that is pretty much every single hour at Woodbridge Elementary through the entire school week, we have a vertical church person in that atmosphere, mentoring, praying, walking the hallways, almost total coverage. You know, that's like a miracle in the public schools, just so you know. It's hard to get into the public schools and be able to do anything. But again, because of your faithfulness, we don't ever say no to any opportunity. The school, the principal emails us and says, hey, we got another. And usually in a week or two, we have that opportunity filled and we're mentoring and helping at-risk kids, amen. Did you know that outside of a Sunday, our sermons are viewed on an average of about 2,000 views a week through our online social media platforms, about 2,000 views. So, so much more outside of here. It literally, it goes not only nationwide, but it goes worldwide out, internet, all the different views and stuff. So 2,000 of those a week are viewed. Now imagine if I could actually preach, what kind of number we would, we would get. If I was nice in my sermons, we would... But your reach is so much more. Every time you invest a penny, a dime, a dollar, you're a part of that reach that reaches out and reaches out and reaches out. Do you know last year, we were a part of 70 churches that were planted worldwide through the Ark Church plants and through the Radiant Church plants. Again, whether you gave a penny, a nickel, a dime, a dollar, a thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars, whatever you give, you are a part of 70 churches who got planted last year. Like your family name, because of your generosity, your family name is now attached to 70 churches that got open and are changing people's lives for the gospel because you were generous and you put God first and you sowed and then we sowed into other things. That's unbelievable, amen. And then shout out to all of you again. We can't wait to appreciate you next week with a gift that we have for you. But last year, as we completed the year, uh, we had the most hours of volunteer service we've ever had as a church. What I'm trying to say with that is you've made yourself available so much than you've ever before. All the different ways that we serve, whether again, through our studies or through Kids Hope or hand to hand or our services, whatever it is, we've been able to serve and minister to people uh, more than we ever have. And then that number continues into our number of total people ministered to between classes, between studies, between service, between kids, between all the ways that we minister, uh, we ministered to the highest amount of people we've ever ministered to in our history. And why? Because faithfulness, not because glamorous, not because we, we felt like it all the time. And we, no, it's because we just remained faithful. We put our hand to the plow and we didn't look back. Amen. And to God be the glory for it. Amen. And I can't wait to see what the next year looks like and the next year looks like. The best is yet to come, but 
faithfulness is required. Let's just say that. Best is yet to come. Faithfulness required. Amen. Let me pray for you. Bow your head, close your eyes. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your word and for your way. God, I'm so thankful for this church and the way that you're moving it forward, the way that you're leading it. Holy Spirit, we ask that in this year as we carry on into year seven, Lord, we just ask for more of your power, more of your Holy Spirit, more of your presence, more of your goodness, more of your joy. God, I pray that you reveal to us the strategies that we need to walk forward, not only as a church, but in our individual lives. Lord, help us say no to the right things. Help us say yes to the right things. Lord, I thank you that you're putting hedges of protection around everything and every person, every family, every bank account, every business. We give you glory. We say thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Give it up for God one more time.